Well, good morning, everyone. It's uh, lovely to be with you again after a couple of weeks of being off, and it's great to be able to welcome you here uh, this morning to our Remembrance Sunday service. Uh, you're most welcome. Uh, whether you're here in the building um, or whether you are joining us online, you're very welcome to um, spend time in God's presence this morning, worshipping together. So as we begin our service today, uh, we're going to reflect on why we come together through the words of this greeting. We come together to offer to Almighty God our worship and praise and thanksgiving, to draw near to the throne of God in penitence and humility, to hear his proclamation of justice and righteousness, to remember those who participated in the war from our parish and city, to pray for all those who continue to serve in our armed forces and to pray that in the power of his spirit, we may serve him in the pursuit of his heavenly realm. And as we come to church each Sunday, often we come with all sorts of uh, things on our minds, all sorts of the busyness and concerns of the week uh, that maybe have been uh, buzzing around in our minds. And uh, we want to just take this moment to fix our eyes on God, to remember that it's him who is the source of our strength. It's him who comes to meet with us when we gather together to worship like this. So let's just take a moment to still our hearts before God, to recognize and to welcome his presence amongst us. Let's just take a moment to do that. and some verses of scripture that help us to reflect on this. From Psalm 46, verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And one of the Psalms of Ascent that we've been uh, looking at over the past number of weeks, Psalm 121 says, I lift up my eyes to the hills, from whence will my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. And the prophet Isaiah tells us, those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And in Micah 6 verse 8 it says, what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? And Naomi's going to now bring us our reading on the screen. Today's reading is taken from Psalm 129, a song of the saints. They have greatly oppressed me from my youth, let Israel say. They have greatly oppressed me from my youth, but they have not gained the victory over me. Plowmen have ploughed my back and made their furrows long, but the Lord is righteous. He has cut me free from the cords of the wicked. May all who hate Zion be turned back in shame. May they, they be like grass on the roof, which withers before it can grow. A reaper cannot fill his hand with it, nor one who gathers fill his arms. 
May those who pass by not say to them, The blessing of the Lord be on you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. Thank you to Naomi uh, for bringing us our scripture reading today. Uh, we continue uh, our series uh, on uh, the journey. Uh, these Psalms of Ascent, these um, Psalms that the nation of Israel sang as they uh, journeyed on their pilgrimage uh, every year um, to Jerusalem. Um, so far, we've, we've covered um, quite a few of them. Um, we've, we've discussed those questions about what it is that abides in you, what is it that kind of holds you together. That this idea of a journey uh, of discipleship is a long obedience in the same direction. We have to keep on keeping on. Um, we ask those questions about what has captured your gaze. What is it that stops your heart? What is it that causes you to stop, to wonder, to ponder, to ask the question of what is awesome? Uh, we pose that uh, challenge that the Lord's presence would become our desire. And as we gather to worship together, that's only the catalyst. Um, it's not the be all and the end all. And continuously we've seen that the psalmist lifts his eyes up. Things are looking up. He casts his eyes up away from the temple of the things around him um, into the presence of God. Uh, we saw that hope, um, hope is what stirs us. It carries us forward. It allows us to dream of what is yet to be. And last week we thought about unless the Lord builds a house, we labor in vain. Unless he is the foundation of everything that we do, individually and corporately as a church, then it will eventually crumble and fall. And so we're going to, today we're going to look at this Psalm 129. But let's pray just before we do. Father God, we thank you that you are present with us and that by your Spirit you would whisper softly or shout loudly into the very depths of our hearts in this moment. And Lord, that we would hear afresh and anew from you. We would leave comforted, but also challenged by your word. And that we might continue our journey towards a closer relationship with you. In your name. Amen. So the beginning, I want to kind of pose a question today, and it's this. Um, what is your image of the Christian life? What is your image of the journey of faith. How do you imagine that to look? Is it one where everything's always okay? Is it one where you can only grow whenever the conditions are absolutely perfect? And if, if only this was to happen, then I would be able to. If only God could do this, then I would be able to believe this. Is it one where it's okay for someone else to be pushing forward and striving and to have those gifts, but maybe not me? Or is, you, is your view one that realizes that even in the struggles of life, in this journey of faith, there is opportunity? See, the scriptures are littered with stories of people who, whenever they were in their darkest days, saw God do some of his best work. Joseph, Daniel, Peter, John. The list could go on. This church, this parish, 
is filled with people whose stories have seen God do some of his best work in some of their darkest days. Because it's often in our darkest days that we lift our eyes up. And whenever we lift our eyes up, as we've seen relentlessly through these Psalms of Ascent, things change. Whenever we lift our, uh, our eyes up, our help does not come from the things around us. Our help comes from the Lord who is the maker of heaven and of earth, the one who sustains um, all of this. Eugene Peterson, who um, I love his writings and his teachings, uh, he translated the message version of the Bible, but has written uh, and taught many other things. Um, he, he describes um, this psalm, this particular psalm, with a word that I learned for the first time this week. And it's going to come on our screens now. Stick to itiveness. Now, I actually had to look to see if that was a word or if he had made it up. It is a word. Stick to itiveness. Stick to itiveness. I quite like that, actually. It has a ring to it. Stick to itiveness. It's a great word because it makes you consider what it means. Whenever I said that word, stick to itiveness, you immediately started thinking, what does that mean? You, you started pondering, what does it mean to have stick to itiveness? Now, the Bible calls that perseverance. But perseverance is a, an old fashioned word, it's a, it's a word that we don't like in a sense because perseverance implies struggle and hardship. Perseverance implies that you will be downtrodden, that it's not going to be an easy road, but stick to itiveness almost is something different. It means that you have the tenacity to stay with it. But that's exactly what perseverance means. You have the tenacity to stay with it. See, in verses 1 to 3 of this psalm, it says, they have greatly oppressed me from my youth, the psalmist says. Let Israel say they have greatly oppressed me from my youth, but they have not gained the victory over me. Plowmen have plowed my back and made their furrows long. The psalmist has not had an easy life. He knows what it is to struggle. And that's the beauty of the Scriptures. That's the beauty of the journey of faith. We don't go through these things on our own because, as it says in Ecclesiastes, what has been will be again, and what is yet to be has been before. And so, actually, the Scriptures are littered with these examples and these stories which we can relate to and we can sit into and we can say in our hearts today, I, I understand what that psalmist is saying. I feel oppressed. I feel as if the furrows have been long in my back. It's been a hard enough road. That's why I need stick to itiveness. I need the tenacity to keep on keeping on. Perseverance. Find something else out this week. 
Where do bananas grow? On a tree. Okay, that's very, that's quite literal. Okay, uh, in what country? Where, where do you normally find bananas growing? That's a better way of asking that question. Sorry, the Caribbean. Okay, where else? The jungle. Okay. Tenerife. Okay. I found something else out this week. Do you know where else bananas grow? East Belfast. <laughs> East Belfast. There's a banana farm, a banana plantation in East Belfast on the Newton Arts, off the Newton Arts Road. Like, seriously. Bananas growing in East Belfast. Not the first time, 1920s and 1930s, they did the same thing, but they're beginning to cultivate them again in East Belfast. Now, that takes stick to itiveness, let me tell you to make bananas grow in East Belfast. That's perseverance. Because stick to and perseverance is not always about hardship and struggle. Because stick to and perseverance often means that the end result will outweigh the struggle and the journey that it takes to get there. I pose another question today. What's your hobby? Do you just have one hobby? Or do you have lots of hobbies? Have you had that hobby from you were a young age? Or do you flip between lots of different hobbies? And they're always shifting and changing. Because if you want to be a master pianist, like Graham, that doesn't come overnight. You don't wake up one morning and think, hey, I'm going to play the piano in church today. No. Dare I ask how many years you've been at this, Graham? More years than you have fingers. Yeah. More years yeah. than he has fingers. Now that takes perseverance. If you want to be good at golf, you have to practice lots. No, I'll have to, find, have to find somebody that's good at golf. Um, <laughs> but if you want to be good at a sport, it takes perseverance. Ed Sheeran was once asked in an interview on TV, uh, one of the, the pop idols of today, um, surely you were born with this talent? And he said, no. I worked at it. I practiced. I spent long hours in my bedroom with an old guitar before I came to be the professional I am today. And so stick to itiveness, perseverance, means that there's a long journey in this. So why do we often imagine that the journey of faith should come instantly? Because we often imagine that we can be the best version of ourselves overnight. We often imagine that we can understand and know all of the Bible instantly. We often imagine that we should have all the answers to all the questions straight away. We often imagine that we should be like that person who's been reading the Bible and studying it for 80 or 85 or 90 years. We should have that level of knowledge almost instantly. That's why this is a long obedience in the same direction. This journey of faith is a long obedience in the same direction. It has to have stick 
spectativeness. Have you got it right now? Uh, maybe I should go home and practice that word more. Um, and perseverance. Yes, the Lord promises protection, strength, comfort, and joy. He never promised that this journey of faith would be a walk in the park. See, the key in this psalm lies in those verses 1 to 4. I've already read the first three, but here, verse 4, but the Lord is righteous. He has cut me free from the cords of the wicked. See, this is described here as the years of oppression that Israel was under. The oxen and the plows uh, with the shouts of the herdsmen uh, making the, them till the ground. Uh, and in this psalm, there's an imagery that says that the Lord has cut those reins of the oxen so that the herdsman continues to shout harder, more. The oxen continue to push uh, across the field, but the plow no longer works. And sometimes we can get into the mindset that the struggles around us become our identity. And we allow them to become our identity rather than allowing the Lord to cut the reins and set us free so that they no longer harm us. See, Israel in this psalm lives with a different mantra, a different perspective because their eyes are lifted up. But they're a nation that knows suffering and understands suffering. We come to look at this psalm on Remembrance Sunday. A psalm that talks about, alludes to, and shows us perseverance and stick to and suffering can mark our journey of faith. We come to it on a Sunday whenever we remember those men and women who gave their lives for our freedom to cut the reins that may oppress us. I read a little book a couple of years ago called Running Into No Man's Land, no Man's Land The Wisdom of Woodbine Willie. Anybody ever heard of Woodbine Willie? Yeah? Okay, Woodbine Willie. Uh, was an Anglican padre um, in the First World War. Uh, and he got the nickname Woodbine Willie uh, because his way of connecting with the men in the trenches of the First World War was to give them woodbines. And so he became known as the padre that gives out the woodbines. So he then lost the word padre and became known as Woodbine Willie. Here comes Woodbine Willie. Now, this little book is written by a guy called Jonathan Brunt, and he kind of has read lots of Woodbine Willie's diaries uh, and writings, and so he puts excerpts of them in, um, as well as trying to describe them to us. Listen um, to this part of it today. This is the author writing it. Suffering is an unavoidable component of the human experience in this broken world. Whether suffering is thrust upon us by events in our own lives or by our sensitivity to the suffering of others, we will one day be called to face its challenges. Woodbine Willie knew about suffering with his first-hand knowledge of ill health and war and a lifelong commitment to the poor and the marginalized. He was well-placed to reflect upon this issue. He recognized that those who follow Jesus Christ and venture all to serve him must know how to engage with suffering. And this is an extract. 
from Woodbine Willie's Diary. 7th of June, 1917. I was running into our lines, half mad with fright, though running in the right direction, thank God, through what would have been once a wooded area, but it had been heavily shelled. As I ran, I stumbled and fell over something, and I stopped to see what it was. It was an undersized, underfed German boy with a wound in his stomach. He had already died. I remember muttering, You're a, you poor little boy. What have you got to do with it? Not much, great blonde, about Russia, about you. Then there came light. It may have been pure imagination, but that does not mean that it was not also reality. For what is called imagination is often the road to reality. It seemed to me that the boy disappeared, and in place there lay Christ upon his cross. And he cried, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto the least of these, my little ones, ye have done it unto me. From that moment on, I never saw a battlefield as anything but a crucifix. From that moment on, I never saw the, seen the world as anything but a crucifixion. I see the cross set up in every slum, in every filthy, overcrowded quarter, in every vulgar, flaring street that speaks of luxury and waste of life. I see him staring up at me from the pages of the newspaper that tells of a tortured, lost, and bewildered world. Because suffering in our own lives and in the world around us helps us to change our perspective, to lift up our eyes and to see Jesus And the thing I love about this psalm, I love lots about it, but one of the things I love about it is verse 5. May all who hate Zion be turned back in shame. May those be like the grass of the roof, which withers before it can grow, with its reaper cannot fill its hands, nor the one who gathers fill its arms. May those who pass by not say, the blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. The psalmist is basically saying, these people who have oppressed me, they should have their justice out. But we often feel guilty whenever, as believers, we feel these emotions. Because we imagine that it, we only ever should feel grace and love. But in our frail humanity, other emotions well up within us. And we can see the raw reality of the scriptures in this psalm, which says, this happens. We also see here that perseverance does not mean perfection. So as we persevere in this journey of faith, as we have this stick to on this journey of faith, it does not mean that we are perfect. It does not mean that we get everything right. But it does mean that we lift our eyes and strive to become more like Jesus. And so in those moments where those wrong emotions and feelings well up, we know that we can come before the foot of the cross and say, sorry, and receive his forgiveness. We know in those moments as we look around us in our own lives, and the suffering that may have come to our door, or the doors of those that we love or know, that we can see the hand at work, and that we can see that God sometimes, or most of the time, does his best work in some of our darkest days. It means that we can set our sights in what is yet to come in hopeful expectation. 
Isn't that what it says in Hebrews chapter 12? Therefore, since we have surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders from the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance, stick to itiveness, and let us run with stick to it as a race marked out before us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author, perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such oppression from sinful men, so that you do not grow weary or lose heart. Perseverance and stick to is a two-way thing. God has promised that He will have stick to towards us. That He will have perseverance as we are on a journey towards Him. And so we too need to have that stick to and that perseverance in our journey towards Him. Not giving up, but keeping on. And so, the journey continues. Let us pray. Father God, thank you that you are present with us, that your hand is upon us. And today, as we continue our journey with you, help us to see you clearer. Help us to take another step towards you. Help us to look for you even in the dark days, even in the midst of the suffering, to know that you are present with strength, with grace, and with love in order that we can continue this journey of faith. In your precious, beautiful, and wonderful name we pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So thank you uh, for joining us today in our worship. And as we go, um, let's go with these words of blessing. May the love of the Lord Jesus draw you to himself. The power of the Lord Jesus strengthen you in his service. The joy of the Lord Jesus fill your hearts. And the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be with you and be with those you love now and forevermore. Amen.